Good morning, everyone. My name is Gyan Bhambani, and I am the host of the Entrepreneurship Insights podcast. Today, our guest is Lee Yoder. He was practicing he was practicing physical therapy when he realized his true passion was building his own business and investing in real estate. He took this passion and considerable action to to quickly build a portfolio with several small apartment bu- buildings. He was able to quickly reposition this portfolio, bring it to full cycle, and provide an ex- incredible return for his in- investors. Today, Lee is focused on syndicating larger apartment buildings. He is the founder and visionary behind Threefold Real Estate Investing, and he's committed to forging a path that will generate incredible wealth and opportunity for all involved. His focus is driving the business forward by forging new relationships with top-notch professionals in the real estate world and bringing on more partners to invest alongside Threefold. Lee also hosts a podcast, The Threefold Real Estate Investing, which discusses multifamily real estate investing while also focusing on pursuing better relationships with family and a better walk with Christ. It's a pleasure having you on the podcast today, Lee. Thanks, Gian. It's a pleasure to be on. Yes, definitely. So... Uh, a quick introduction question I have is give us some background how did you get started I gave some introduction that you discovered physical therapy but would you mind going into more detail on how that passion for real estate really came about yeah the the genesis of it was um, you know I was climbing the corporate ladder uh, working just a corporate job I actually wasn't doing any physical therapy at the time I was still a physical therapist but I I, uh, became a clinical director with the company uh, and just kept moving more and more into kind of an office position. I was uh, the clinical director over a bunch of other therapists, kind of moving more into a director of operations role. Uh, and I was really enjoying that, Gianna. I actually didn't miss physical therapy at all. This was like my first um, kind of uh, realizing, my first realization of I'm really not passionate about physical therapy. Um, I- I'm more passionate about business and um like operations and and kind of entrepreneurship because with the company I was with uh, in the office kind of running that division, I was really building my own division and the company was a startup in itself. So I was working for a startup and and really leading a division. Uh, And so it felt kind of entrepreneurial for me and I loved it. I mean, I really enjoyed my work. The problem with it is, uh, and I think a lot of you will find this out, is, is I was kind of just becoming consumed with that job. Uh, and my wife and I were starting a family and um, we just, you know, after doing that for a while, a couple of years, even like we just didn't feel like that was the life God called us to. Uh, even though I really enjoyed my work, it was like, it, it just felt like I either have to be all in on work and, and then really not uh, be the husband and, and, and father um, that I that I want to be or like I'm going to have to leave this job. Um, so didn't like just jump out right away, but, but started getting a, a little um, disenchanted with it. And then just had a coworker, a close friend of mine, um, was kind of having some of the same feelings. He handed me a real estate book. Um, and, it, and it wasn't a great real estate book, but it kind of opened the door and I started going down that rabbit hole. And um, I ended up um, uh, reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, which, which so many people talk about. And um, it was definitely eye-opening for me, definitely transformational. And, and I just started to think like, okay, maybe there's a way I can still work because I really, I love to work. Um, it's honestly like like a blessing and a curse. Um, but I, I really love to work, so it wasn't like, hey, I just wanna work less hours. I just wanna be able to control it more. Uh, and I felt like maybe real estate is a way I could, you know, work really hard and do well, but just have more control. So that was kind of the genesis of it. I, I've, I've 
come to love it, but at the time, it wasn't that I thought I was gonna love it. I, I, it was just, it felt like a better um, lifestyle design, potentially. Yeah, so it's, it, it started out uh, as a necessity rather than just, hey, let me explore something new because I want to, right? Mm. You had your family to care for. And yeah, it, it's just that the, this, these, entrepreneurship, these, entrepreneurship, these entrepreneurial solutions just sometimes come out of necessity, sometimes kind of just mm-hmm. exploration. So sure. what do you enjoy most about, uh, about this type of lifestyle, Lee? Yeah, what I kind of what I just said. I mean, it really has become that for me. I I work really hard, um, and, and not you know harder than, than everybody else or anything like that. But I, but I do still work really hard. Um, but I really enjoy the work I'm doing. So I, I I'm actually very passionate about real estate. I love doing it. I love what I do. Um, but yeah, I think what I enjoy most is that I I can work really hard at it, um, and 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 see results from that. But I it's I'm able to control it. I mean, I get up very early often get work done um, in the morning before uh, my kids are up. So I'm working, but not missing time with the kids. Uh, I can do that in the evenings too. Uh, when I was climbing the corporate ladder, I would do that, but they didn't, like they were happy about it, but they still wanted me in the office at 7.30 and didn't want me to leave till 5.30. You know, it, so it's like, yeah, you can work extra hours. That's great. You can work on Saturday. We want you to do that, but still gotta be here from 7.30 to 8 for, to 5.30. And you know, that a lot of people are like, yeah, I do that every day. Well, I, I just, I didn't want to be away that much. Um, I wanted to be able to work those hours like in the morning or in the evening. Uh, and now I can do that. So now I, I can work really hard, but like if I want to, I just do it whenever I want. That, that's the best part about it. I can work really hard, but I, I do it during the hours of the day that make the most sense for me and my family. Yeah, that, that, that sounds interesting. So um, how did you, uh, how did you stay focused um, in, in your in your difficult times and in, in the difficult times of your career? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think just having the support of, of my wife, I mean, um, it's something that we were always praying through. We're Christ followers and, and we felt like God did have a plan. Um, it just, you know, it, uh, with our faith, we, you know, we just believe that sometimes it's it's going to be in God's timing and not ours. So just trying to stay patient, just reminding ourselves. And, and once I kind of got a vision, uh, Gion, and, and, and really got passionate about it, um, I was fixated on that and then I mean it did make it harder to wait because I was like so ready to pursue what I felt like uh, was God's calling um, but just feeling like it's there it's gonna be there we're, we're gonna get there um, I'm gonna get to do that but it, it just may not be right now um, it, and then I guess too I think yeah, what's really important is you know when I was all in on real estate, okay, I had not bought anything, right? And I'm doing physical therapy and I don't want to be doing physical therapy. I want to be doing real estate, but I've got a family, so I got to keep my full-time job. I'm, you know, you can't just, no, you can, but we didn't want to just jump and, and go from, you know, a good paying job to no paying job and then just go to real estate. So I had to stay in that job. But the cool thing is like, I can start educating myself, start listening to podcasts, start reading books, start making phone calls, start going to events. So that's what helped me stay focused was I'm, I'm taking the steps. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm taking, you know, taking steps. Uh, I'm moving toward the goal uh, all the time, even while I'm working. So I think that's what that's what makes you helps you stay focused. If if you've got a goal of getting into real estate, don't you know, don't make your first step buying your first property. Make your first step educating yourself. Make your second step networking. Make your third step job shadowing someone. Make your fourth step starting to underwrite. So doing that, then you feel like, okay, I'm moving along. I'm still working a full-time job that I don't want to be doing. I'm, I still haven't bought a property, but I'm, I'm taking these steps. I think that's, that helps you stay focused. Yeah, and the steps that you mentioned, you know, just like educating yourself, networking and all that, 
those in itself are like big steps, right? And and to yeah. fully complete that, you you got to take even smaller steps, right? And right. so just I feel for you knowing that knowing that whatever you did was in pursuit of that goal really kept you going. Mm. So how if, uh, knowing what you do now, would you do anything differently? Maybe start earlier or uh, leave your corporate job a bit earlier or do anything differently? Well, I mean, it depends how far back I could go. <laughs> I wouldn't have, I wouldn't even went to grad school for, for to be a physical therapy, uh, to be a physical therapist. Um, I think I still would have done undergrad because it was a blast. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and give that up. But coming out of undergrad, I, I would have just went right into real estate. So yeah, sure, I would have started earlier. Um, you know, but if I couldn't have started earlier, like would I have uh, went a different path? I don't know that I would have. Um, you know, we we moved pretty quickly. Uh, from a single family into a duplex and into a 16 unit. And I always wanted to get into multifamily. So we, we went pretty quickly into multifamily and we didn't do that many deals, which was which was also kind of a good thing. So um, yeah, I wish I would've started earlier, but other than that, I wouldn't really change anything, I don't think. That's that's awesome, you know, like just not having any regrets um, and that really keeps you focused. Mm-hmm. So uh, what lessons, you? Uh, you mentioned earlier that you educated yourself through podcasts and books and such. And so what lessons did you learn along the way? You know, uh, so yeah, I, I knew I wanted to get in real estate and, and listening to podcasts, most of the people that I felt like I identified with and, and just really respected and looked at them. And from what I heard from them, obviously I don't know these people, but I'm like, I think, I think they're doing the real estate that I want to do, but more importantly, much more importantly, I think they have the life that I want to have because you can look at someone and think, man, they're making millions of dollars a year doing real estate, but they're, they're single, you know, and that's fine. But it's like, okay, but I can't replicate that because I'm not single. So I live a very different life. Right. Or, or, you know, they'll, they'll talk about how their divorce went down, you know, like I don't want that either. So, um, the, the people that I really identified with and, and people, I was like, I, I, I think I want that lifestyle in real estate. They were multifamily. Um, and they were saying, go, you know, go, go bigger, faster, expand your mind, partner network. You don't have to, you know, do a few dozen flips before you can move into multifamily. Like you don't have to build up your portfolio to 10 single family homes before you can go into multifamily. You can go into it earlier. Um, I think that was the biggest thing for me because I knew the end goal for me was to own a 100 unit apartment building, 100 plus. Like I, I've always been pretty confident, again, because of people, you know, I wanted to emulate. That's what they were doing. So I kind of knew that was a goal, but I I didn't start there. And I, and I, again, I don't necessarily, if I went back, I don't think I would necessarily try to make my first property a 100 unit apartment building, but I did take pretty big steps in that direction pretty quickly. And it was because of what I was hearing on the podcast and what I was reading in the books. Yeah, so so for you, Lee, it was um, it was trying to, trying to replicate that sort of lifestyle. You know, like oh, if you're single, I, I don't really like uh, like how people call it, like I don't really vibe with you. You know, like in that sort of sense. And so and 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 that's really important. You know, just being able to get to know what's out there. And the thing is that each journey is unique and different. So. Um. Uh, what ventures in real estate have you been already exposed to, and what do you want to explore further? Uh, so we flipped it. We've well, we've flipped two single-family homes. So I've done you know done a couple flips. Um, we owned a duplex and rented that out, uh, and we we managed that as 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 the landlords. Um, so I got to experience like the, the small multifamily. I got to experience being a landlord. Um, 
liked owning the, the small multifamily, but wanted to own bigger ones and did not like being a landlord. Um, we really enjoyed flipping, but um, we just, you know, flipping is not investing. It's not, there's nothing passive about it. It's just a different job. It's just a job. It's a job I like, my wife actually likes it. The order our kids get, I think it'll be fun doing it with them as well. So I think we'll flip again, but it's, it's just not investing. It's not passive income. Um, you know, uh, so kind of learned all that. And then we got into some small, uh, well, I would say like mid-sized multifamily, small to mid-sized, like a 16 unit, 10 unit. And we did joint ventures on those. So at the kind of experience, uh, the joint venture uh, model or setup, uh, which, is, which is kind of simple. You just find a couple people, one or two people put up the money and uh, one person's probably doing more of the work uh, and you you, uh, you know, can cash flow pretty well and, and turn things around. So we got the experience that. And now we do syndication on, um, 40 plus uh, apartment buildings. We did a couple of 40, a couple in the 40s, and then now we're getting ready to close on, on nearly a 100 unit uh, apartment building. So um, I've kind of done just about everything um, as far as like rentals uh, from single family, you know, up to 100 unit, but I haven't done anything beyond 100 units yet. And that's, I guess that's what I want to explore next. I want to buy a 200 unit property. Um, there's some real, you know, everybody talks about the economies of scale, and I thought, Okay, like once I get to you know 40, 60, 80 units, there'll be some economies of scale. And there are some, but I almost think there's like a, a number that's like maybe more like 120, 130, maybe like for sure 150. When you get beyond that, there's some real economies of scale there of having two, three, four people full time on site, really running it smoothly. Uh, so that's that's what I want to explore next. Yeah, I I, I love your visions. Um... Uh, I've, I've talked with quite a few people and uh, some people just don't go to real estate because of the dangers and specifically like renting uh, renting out properties like oh what if uh, 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 what if the people living in your house are like not not very nice to you like what if they do something wrong or what, what if they it's like there's a lot of what ifs with it so how did you tackle the dangers and the cons of uh, I guess renting out and meeting new people? that way sure um i mean uh, you know if, if you do a single family home as a rental uh there is that risk because if, if the person doesn't work out um and they move out then you're you have zero percent occupancy right 100 percent vacancy uh whereas if you have a 10 unit even one person moves out okay like it's not great but you're still 90 percent occupied two people move out you're still 80 percent occupied so that's the benefit of multifamily. but with the single family young you know when we when we were flipping it i told my wife because because She's a little more risk adverse than I am, so uh, was was definitely very hesitant. I said, "Look, if we can't, if we if we turn this house and, and totally renovate it, put all this money into it, and we can't sell it, we can at least refinance, get a loan on it, rent it, and we'll 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 probably make money every month, like just a little bit, but we'll be fine." So that the risk, you know, is, is small because we're not going to lose a bunch of money. We'll just rent it out, right? If we couldn't rent it, um, we could still afford the mortgage on that property along with ours. So worst case scenario actually was that we're paying down the mortgage on two properties, right? Not what we want. That's not getting us really anywhere very fast. That's for sure. But that's not that bad, you know? So if, if someone can at least start there, if you've got enough extra monthly income to afford two mortgages, then go buy a single family home. And the worst case is it sits empty and you're paying off the mortgage, right? So you're building equity. I mean, again, it's not great. I'm saying, but, but if that's the worst case scenario, that's not that risky. Right, that's not that bad. Uh, and then I would say, you know, once you get into multifamily, you know, let's say you buy a 10 unit, like I said, and, and now you're not so worried about being, you know, 
100% vacant because you know 10 people would have to move out. Uh, what I would say about that is, is as long as you're in a, a, a city that's not, it doesn't have a decreasing population or like probably it would almost have to be like a, a rapidly decreasing population. But as long as the population's steady, maybe it's just slowly uh, increasing and, and the building in that city is not significantly outpacing the population, which, which most cities aren't. I mean, everybody knows about the housing shortage. Um, so really, in my opinion, your biggest risk is that you have to decrease rent. So if, if people move out and, and you've got a uh, vacancy, well, you, 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 you advertise it and you get somebody else. If, if you can't find somebody else, lower your rent. If you lower your rent enough, I mean, somebody's going to move in because when you're the cheapest place, they're going to move in. And so, again, that's not ideal. Not, that's not the goal, obviously, but your, your building's not going to sit vacant. Like, you lower the rent enough and people move in. So that's where you got to be smart with your underwriting. If you underwrite and, and hey, we've got to hit 900 bucks a month in rent or else, you know, this business plan is not going to work and you have to lower rent to 800, well, that's, that's not okay. But as long as you say, Hey, if we hit 900, awesome. We're going to make a bunch of money. If we have to lower it all the way to 800, not going to make too much. If we have to lower it all the way to 700, then we're hurting. You're going to be good in that scenario. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for explaining all the risks um, or most of the risks uh, risks to us, Lee. And so uh, I, had, I had a question. So do you do you invest locally or do you do international as well? Like how, like no. how have you expanded like that? Sure. So far, everything's been local. Everything's been right here. Um, not my hometown by any means, but um, you know, I kind of live between Dayton and Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, and everything's been in and then all around Dayton. So my properties probably have spanned like being like an hour apart. But for me, I can kind of get to everything within like 40, 45 minutes. That, that's, that's even better for you, you know, like, so <laughs> you, you as an investor can check in. Exactly. Uh, so you you you, uh, you talked about apartment syndicating. So like, would you mind going to more detail? Like, what what exactly is that, and what jobs does it entail? Sure. Yeah. So to kind of set it up, you know, when I started out, my first multifamily was a sixteen unit, but it was in a rural area, very small unit. So it was only three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So we only needed seventy thousand dollars to close on that twenty percent down, right? So one person can probably come up with $70,000. If not, you know, two or three people can. And then let's say you need an extra 30,000 for the rehab. So you need $100,000 to take down that property, reposition it and, and operate it, right? Um, so in my scenario, when we did that, one person brought that money, but there were three of us in on the deal, three people could probably come up with $100,000. So then you just do a joint venture. So syndication says, well, let's not buy a 16 unit, let's buy a 100 unit. And instead of $350,000, it's gonna cost, um, you know, $5 million. Well, on $5 million, you need to raise a hundred or sorry, a million for your 20% down payment. And then, you know, your rehab costs might be more like 500,000. So, you know, three guys, probably most, most three guys I know uh, myself, you know, we can't come up with $500,000 a piece. So now we're talking about, Hey, maybe it's 20 people that come together to come up with 1.5 million. Now that's a syndication because the difference between a joint venture and a syndication is in a joint venture, everybody is an active partner everybody is a general partner everybody has a job everybody's doing something maybe one guy is kind of managing the property manager maybe one guy is the property manager maybe one guy handles the unit turns and all the maintenance and stuff like that and maybe one guy is like handling all the financials right and, and just getting in you know income management. so that that's kind of how that would work when you syndicate you might have three guys as well and they might have all three of those jobs but then you have another 17 people that all they did was give money 
And if all you do is put money into a deal, then you're a passive investor. And that technically, like that has to be a syndication because you, you're now kind of like selling securities is what the SEC says. I'm selling securities to these 17 passive investors, just the way uh, companies, you know, on, on the stock market exchange do. Uh, they sell securities for their company. That, that's what we're doing. So we're regulated that way. So that's the difference. Basically, you're, you're buying bigger, more expensive properties. So you need to bring in more investors. You can't give everybody a job. You know, it's going to be a few people doing all the work. Everybody else is a passive investor. So they just give you the money. Their their risk is limited uh, to just their investment, whereas the general partners are always signing on the loan. And if it's a recourse loan, then their risk is they can come after their assets and stuff like that. But that's basically um, kind of how that's set up and why you would do that. You want to go for bigger, more expensive properties. So you need a lot more investors. Thank you for this insight, Lee. Um, it, it, it should give our listeners a little bit of uh, perspective on Hey, like if if we're interested in real estate, like what do you want to do? Do you want to do a more like risk-heavy or like the opposite?